Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have you with us. This is the month of March, and in the basketball world, this is March Madness, and if you're one who has filled out your brackets, the most common words I heard is busted and broken. <laughs> madness. <laughs> it has been madness. So so we, we took off that little phrase of March madness, and this month we've been walking through some things that are just madness. We've talked about the madness of materialism, trying to find happiness in stuff, and it just doesn't work. We've talked about the madness of sin and how sin really doesn't make sense, even though it catches most of us and how we can deal with that. Last time we talked about the madness of frantic busyness, just being busy, busy all the time and that frantic rush that so many people feel. And then tonight in our last episode here, we want to talk about in this month, talk about the madness of trying to control the world. And that is something, again, that we see everywhere. Um, people are, are illustrating that in a lot of ways for us. You see it at work. You see it at school. You see it in the neighborhood. Uh, people just being demanding. And, and you even hear these statements sometimes when they're interviewed on TV. I demand. I demand you do this. And it's as if they are the center of the universe and they're wanting to control everything. It often leaves them kind of bossy. It leaves them angry. It leaves them upset. And so when we get this idea of trying to control the world, it is something that really the Bible speaks about in a lot of different ways, and we're going to kind of just walk our ways through that today. Hopefully, it'll be something we reflect upon and will help us in our journey with the Lord. Yeah, it stands out to me as you just listed a couple of symptoms That sounds a lot like some of the words Paul used in Galatians 5 to describe the works of the flesh, right? He mentions, for instance, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and and more, but... Boy, that sounds like it could be a commentary on what you'll see on cable news or tomorrow morning's front page newspaper or even just in conversations within our community, even neighborhood Facebook groups, right? This is a part of life under the sun. It was a diagnosis of the works of the flesh 2,000 years ago. We haven't outgrown it or matured beyond it. But Roger, to your point, this is coming from somewhere, a, a madness that lies deep within our hearts So let's dig in here. What stands out to you about where this is coming from? Well, I I think it's coming from a philosophy or an attitude or a heart that just wants everyone to line up with me. And you need to see things the way I see things. And when you don't, you're wrong. You need to change. 
And whether it's our politics, whether it's our religion, whether it's how we walk a dog in the park, I mean, it's just all kinds of applications of that. But it comes from somebody who just gets the idea that I am at the center of the universe and everything should revolve around me. It's a very self-centered, very selfish spirit. And that is at the root of so much of this. A lot of this comes from uh, passages we think about in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon had looked at life. It was really a journal he he was on as he kind of looked at several aspects of what life is all about. And one of the things he found in the book of Ecclesiastes is you cannot control the world. Uh, He'll talk about the advantage of wisdom, but wisdom cannot stop death. Wisdom alone does not bring happiness. There's lots of things there. And one of the things he says at the end of chapter 8, he says, I saw every work of God. I concluded, he says, that man cannot discover the work which has been done uh, under the sun. Uh, No one really knows all that God is doing, even on a day like today. Who knows how many people God has blessed, how many people God has forgiven, how many people God has helped. We don't see these things. The one who wants to control, I have to know it. I have to know what every person's doing. I have to know what everybody in the neighborhood's doing. So send me what you're doing. I have to know what everybody in church is doing. Send it to me so I know everything. (laughs) And no, that's not your position. And you cannot undo some things. The things that are crooked cannot be made straight, is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. You know, it as you're describing this, it it makes me wonder whether or not someone might have this deep impulse to try and control the world because they're doing a poor job of controlling themselves, or they're just not interested in trying to control themselves. And that lack of self-control is just fueling this thirst to try and control others. I believe so. Uh, There again, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is Bread to the wise, nor wealth to discerning, nor favor to men of ability. Time and chance overtake them all. The team that ought to win, and I could say a name right here. (laughs) We won't do that. But I won't. (laughs) He destroyed all the brackets in the world. Had the tallest college basketball player and who ought to have won. Did not win. Did not, not win. Did not win, okay? <laughs> Solomon tried to warn you 3,000 years <laughs> <Yes>. ago. <laughs> and I've eaten some words already about this. But but the idea here simply, as he states these things, is that time and chance uh, happens. And so who ought to be the leader is not the leader. Who ought to get the job doesn't get the job. The, the strongest team doesn't win. The biggest army doesn't win. I mean, over and over, those are things that's talked about. Even at the end of chapter 9, he uses this little story about the small city, and a great king comes against this small city, and a poor wise man saves the city. Now, the city should have fallen to this king because he was great, had a great army, but the wisdom of this poor man saved the city. So you can't fix everybody, and that's just a reality. Um, you can't even fix everybody in your family. And that, that really frustrates people sometimes because I want you to act this way. I want you to do this. And we spend a lifetime trying to change our mates and it doesn't work. 
because that cannot be done. You cannot force somebody who's facing an adult to do something that they do not want to do. It makes me think of having a bunch of sand in my hand, right? And and in fact, Solomon, if he is in fact the author of Ecclesiastes, I think there's good reason to believe that he is. That's the sort of analogy he uses, right? To describe vanity, emptiness, even we could adopt for the sake of this month, madness, right? That I wish perhaps even as the king that I could just make life work the way I think that it should and make people act the way I think that they should. Meanwhile, this man didn't always exercise self-control the way that he should, right? In fact, God inspires him to write in the book of Proverbs, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I just keep coming back as you're describing this to the tragedy of wanting to control everybody else and not exercising self-control. That's like wanting to build walls for everybody else and not having those walls guarding my own heart. That is madness. It is. And and that's a self-centered attitude that everybody else has to change but me. And and I've got it all together, and I don't have to. So there's certain things in life that, that cannot be changed. Certain crooked things cannot be made straight. You cannot fix everyone. A third thing we have to come up to here as we thought about this this uh, idea is you cannot find the answer to every problem. Now, we want to find the answer, and we're often backward looking. Well, here's a guy that broke his leg. Well, why did he break his leg? Here's a guy with cancer. Why does he have cancer? Let's keep looking backwards, and we'll find this answer, and then it will never, ever happen again. Well, you don't have answers to every problem. And again, to what Solomon says there in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11, that the race isn't always to the swift. Those who ought to win don't always win. Those things happen, and and they reflect those things upon us. And so there are things beyond me. There are problems greater than me. And when we try to spend all of our energy trying to change people to line up the way I think they should, it it will create all kinds of issues with that. Yeah, Yeah. Jesus to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, when they ask, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus had no problem saying, it is not for you to know. Right or Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine assures us that there are secret things belo- that belong only to the Lord. Right, there are some questions for which we will not have answers during this life. Now, I can handle that frustration in two different ways. Right, I can either humble myself beneath his mighty hand, and we might talk a little bit more about that before we're done, or I can give into that frustration and just try and control all the more. But the bottom line is there are some things that are not for me to know. And so here in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel says in verse 20, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he 
That's God. It is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. So God is very active. and God is doing things. And so, it, it, you know, the little children's hymn we sing, he's got the whole world in his hand. It is God who controls the world and not us. And part of, part of dealing with this madness is taking our fingers off these things and letting God be God on these things. And I think that helps us with a peace of mind. It helps us to be content with things. And it puts things that belong to God to God. And I need to quit trying to run those things and get involved with them. Yeah. One of the, I, I think for me, one of the, toughest things for me to realize and accept as I was stepping into this role of service as an evangelist is to really come come to, to grips with people are going to do what people really want to do, right? And I take comfort in the fact that the Apostle Paul struggled with that, right? He he says in Romans chapter 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for his fellow countrymen is that they would be saved. Um, he had a front row seat to the fact that not everybody was willing to accept the gospel, right? Not everyone was willing to humble themselves before God. Not not everyone was willing to be content with some things belong only to God. Secret things only belong to God. And and he writes, I, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And then he, he diagnoses that, well, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own they did not submit to God's righteousness. Bottom line is, people are going to do what people want to do. Now, I can allow that to drive me mad, or I can stay in my lane. I can do my best to exercise self-control, and then I can try and use what God has provided to to change slowly the hearts of people around me, all the while trying to humbly look at my own heart, right? But it, it, it I think this is a, a, an important lesson for parents, for preachers, for teachers, for shepherds in the local congregation to understand. I can't make anybody do what they don't want to do. You know, and, and a telltale story comes to my mind is Mary and Martha yeah. in the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. There, there, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's back there serving the food to Jesus and the 12 apostles. You got, you got 12, 13, 14 people show up at your house suddenly. You got to get some food, and she's hurrying around doing that. <laughs> and she becomes extremely frustrated. Now, it's not that they showed up without telling them ahead of time. It's not that, you know, she had to do all this work. She was more bothered because of her sister was not helping her. Later on in the Gospels, we find Martha serving Jesus again, and Jesus never says anything about it. She was doing a good thing. She allowed someone else, her sister, 
to get her upset. She was bothered because of her sister. And so as Jesus is teaching, she interrupts Jesus and she says, tell my sister. She expected the Lord to get involved in this little squabble and the Lord to set it straight. I want you to get my sister in this kitchen and help me work. And Jesus wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and again, you know, to what you said, there are always going to be things that I view as just not right. There's always going to be a family that comes to church late. Every Sunday, that same family is late. And I can just burn my biscuits. <laughs> I, I, I can have a neighbor and the trash truck is coming on the street and he's just now getting his trash out. Everyone else got it out the night before, but this guy never does. Or the way this guy parks at work or the way this guy has his desk organized at work or this or that. And all through my life, I can be bothered by other people or I can just put my focus upon me and making sure I'm walking right with Jesus. Yeah. That sure does sound like a mindset, right? And I think that's what Jesus pointed Martha to, right? That Mary has chosen the one thing that is really necessary. And it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with the clothes that she was wearing or how she had fixed her hair that day. It was a mindset, right? And the New Testament sure does have a lot to say about that mindset. Makes me think of Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Step one is to be raised with Christ, right? I, I think that's why Paul would reason with Felix, for instance, in Acts 24, verse 25, about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. There, There is a standard that I need to align myself with. There is a right way to live, right? I need to exercise this self-control because judgment is coming. But once I've been raised with Christ, now I need to fight for that mindset. And, okay, I, I'm driving along the highway at the same time every day to work, and I just cannot stand the way some people drive. I, well, I can choose to dwell on what I cannot control, or I can set my mind on things above, where Christ is, because I've died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. It sounds like a, a, a rather simple thing, but Roger, that mindset means everything for everyday life. It does. So, so I'm driving to work and there's this guy and he's just, he's going from lane to lane to lane to lane and just irritating me. <laughs> and so I can blow my horn. I can, I can make a scene. We can have a little bit of road rage here. Or I can focus upon myself yep. and my attitude and not let him bother me. And so when we try to control the world, we, we cannot do it. It's, it's a failure to try, number one. You're not going to do it. And you're going to be frustrated because people will not change even though you want them. You'll pressure them. You'll, you'll try to boss them or bully them to change. And they still will not change. And that just gets you more and more upset or you can understand the one that I can change 
is myself. Yeah. And I can change my spirit. I can change my attitude. I don't have to be like this guy. I can just be what God wants me to be. And whether this guy's right or wrong, that's up to God. I'm going to make sure that I'm right with the Lord by doing what the Lord tells me to do. And so it's a mindset, as you said. But so many people today are trying to change the world. They're trying to force others to accept them, whether it's a sinful lifestyle or not. I I demand that you accept me. I demand you use these words. I, you know, or we can just say, you know what, I'm just going to be like Jesus and just be like Jesus and focus on yourself and don't be bothered by all these other things. Roger, I think I may have shared on the podcast before, but several months ago, you, you preached a sermon that continues at least one phrase of that sermon continues to be, uh, voiced off and on in our household. You, you were back in John chapter 21 and that's where Jesus talks to Peter about what's to come. And, and Peter at one point toward the end of John's gospel points at John and, and he's heard about, you know, what, what is in store for his own life. And he says, Lord, well, what, what about this man and Jesus asks what is that to you you follow me we we to this day every once in a while in our house there there might be something that just exasperates one of us and and somebody in our household usually it's one of the girls that says it to me or Shelley what is that to you you follow me that's it that's it exactly and if we had that I think life would be a lot peaceful for us We would find ourselves getting along with others so much better. And what the Lord has planned for Peter was not the same plan he had for John. They were supposed to both follow him, but their outcomes was going to be different. And that's what we have to realize ourselves. March Madness. We've talked to the madness of sin, the madness of materialism, the madness of frantic busyness, the madness of trying to control the world. There's one more Friday in March. Lord willing, next Friday, we'll wrap this series up by talking about the madness of thinking I can be good enough. We hope that you'll join us. But Roger, I appreciate you joining me today, and we appreciate all of you for listening to this week or to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Makes me think of Philippians 3. That reminds us our citizenship is in heaven. We encourage you to remember that today and remember that when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.